the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have uh, a couple futuristic, uh, cryogenically frozen characters going into the future here. We're very excited about this episode as we are talking 1993's Demolition Man uh, and then Futurama, which actually, kind of you know, fun that they have some uh, people of current times, if you will, getting frozen and uh, woken up into the future. Uh, and we're going to see what kind of action and adventure happens between all of those. And we're also going to be doing a recasting of Demolition Man using actors of today. Uh, so very excited about it. Two fun properties. Man, two things that I actually hold in quite dear hope, uh, you know, from when I watched them back in the day. I mean, well, Futurama's not even back in the day. As we'll talk <laughs> about it, it's back up again. Yep. <laughs> so, so we'll talk more about that when we get to that. But uh, for now, I do want to set my mind back to 1993. John, what else happened that wonderful year? All right. Well, we must have had a few other uh, movies that happened around this time because I definitely recognize pretty much everything that happened uh, around this. Uh, The movie was released on October 8th, 1993. The Billboard Top 100 single was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Yep. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was Home Improvement. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Popular. Uh, around this time, I think just about a month or so before the release of this movie, saw the release of the video game Mist. Okay. Mist was a yeah we've talked about it before a very good game. A lot of people loved it. I was just not. I never really gave it a go. No, I think I tried it one time and I didn't quite understand how it worked when I was yeah. a kid. Anyway. Yeah. I, I probably could go back and try it now, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, it's too late. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I think it's one of those that I probably would like because we love like those um, Monkey Island games, but those are a little puzzle bit more games. simpler and childish. And I think Mist right. is a little bit more intense puzzle. I, I agree. I think the the comedy of Curse of Monkey Island is yeah. really what kept us there. Yeah, yeah, that's why I want to play it. That's why I would yep. go back and play it. The New York Times bestseller was The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller, which I think we talked about not that long ago. So I think so. I mean, yeah. The the last movie that we had before this was Heart and Souls, and that was also 19, 1993, and so maybe we talked about so, it even then. Probably. It it took up a good bit of, of the, the back end of 93 for the okay. New York Times bestseller, so there's no surprise there. And my fun fact for 1993, uh, Wendy's, the founder, Dave Thomas, he was actually a high school dropout. Uh, despite the fact that he was uh, had a lot of success in uh, KFC, a lot of people don't know that he actually created the bucket idea. Oh, that was that was him, uh, and uh, he did not get his GED until 1993. <laughs> okay, I don't wonder why he wanted to do it, but uh, you know, good eh, for him. It's probably just like a personal thing. It's like oh, just have it because he clearly didn't need it. He yeah. was clearly a successful businessman. He was fine, uh, and that was 1993. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, put down our KFC buckets and put down those Baconators. Now, granted, those weren't created until way later, but still, I do love me a Baconator. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for some murder, death, killing. And let's go check out Demolition Man.
Demolition Man 1993. This film was directed by Marco Brambilla or Brambilla. Uh, this was his first feature. He has done some music videos and not really much else that I recognized. So this is about the only thing from the director that I kind of noticed. Uh, music was by Elliot Goldenthal. Uh, we talked about Elliot with uh, Interview with the Vampire. Also did Heat, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Alien 3, bunch of stuff from him. The cinematography by Alex Thompson. Uh, they also filmed uh, Labyrinth, Raw Deal, also Alien 3, and Cliffhanger. Mm. And this film was edited by Stuart Baird, and I just want to mention that because we've also seen some of his work in Lady Hawk back in the day, but also uh, the original Superman movie, Lethal Weapon, uh, and then Casino Royale and Skyfall, so some really good stuff there. Okay. Uh, the cast for this film, John Spartan is played by Sylvester Stallone, who we know from Rocky, Rambo, Over the Top, a lot of good stuff. Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, and we talked about him with Blade, but he's also in White Men Can't Jump, New Jack City, awesome stuff from Wesley Snipes. Lenina Huxley is played by Sandra Bullock. We know her from Speed, Miss Congeniality, Hope Floats, a whole bunch of stuff. Bird Box recently and stuff like that, mm-hmm. Blindside. Dr. Raymond Cocteau is played by Nigel Hawthorne. Uh, he was in, did a voice in the Tarzan movie, uh, The Madness of King George he was in, and a lot of British productions. I noticed with this person. Alfredo Garcia is played by Benjamin Bratt. Uh, also Miss Congeniality, but Traffic, Coco, and Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Chief uh, George Earls, played by Bob Gunton. And we talked about him recently with Greg the Bunny, but also Shawshank Redemption. He was on 24. Bunch of stuff from Bob Gunton. Associate Bob is played by Glenn Shaddix. And we talked about him with Beetlejuice way back in the day, but... He also did a voice uh, for Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, He's in Heathers. Quite a bit of stuff. Okay. And Edgar Friendly was played by Dennis Leary. And we know him from his stand-up comedy as well as Rescue Me, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise as well. Yeah. Apparently, after he was cast, the writers went back in and rewrote all of the Edgar Friendly stuff because they wanted to hear Dennis Leary rant. Well, yeah. I mean, it... it, it, it (laughs) It's his shtick. It's his shtick. It, it felt like he was just basically doing some of his I'm an asshole stuff like right. in this movie. And it, it works. It works for me. It does. So, all right. Uh, the film had a budget of around 60-ish million and a box office of 160 million. So that's pretty good. That's quite, mm. quite solid. Um, I can't remember the first time we saw this movie, but I feel like it was an HBO weekend or something because... I mean, I don't remember, or maybe, we, I don't know if we had it on VHS or anything like that, but I remember seeing it, I don't know, I feel like I remember seeing it in all of its rated R glory. I can't remember exactly. I do remember seeing the, the full rated R part, and for us, really, that just meant the, the cursing and the mm-hmm. the one random nudity part. Absolutely unnecessary, <laughs> which I'll bring that up. We'll, we'll talk about that, yeah. Um, but I, I definitely remember watching this a lot on television as well. Okay. Um, I But I just can't remember which one came first. Sure. Oh, I did find out an interesting fact. Uh, Sandra Bullock was not the original Lenina Huxley. They originally hired Lori Petty, um, and she filmed oh. for a few days and then quit uh, citing creative differences. I wonder what kind of creative differences are you know, going to pull off. No idea. I mean, I can see Lori Petty, but I think... I think there is, I mean, she also has like an innocent vibe to her and that's what you need from Lenita Huxley. Yeah, but I see, I see Lori Petty really is like, she has a lot more sass to her. Yeah, she got the spunk. Then, then, and I, I think young Sandra Bullock really had the innocence. Sure. 
I I do think it was the better call. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's get things going in our scene-by-scene breakdown. We start off in a dystopian future of Los Angeles. Oh, those crazy times, 1996, uh, where we meet (laughs) John Spartan. Uh, He is sent in to stop this madman, Simon Phoenix. And I do like the line. Send a maniac to catch one. Send a maniac to stop a maniac. (laughs) Uh, So he goes in. It's all action star-like, you know, shoots up all this shit. Eventually gets to Simon. And it's a standoff. Simon pours gasoline all over the room and flicks a cigarette, uh, which ends up burning the building as they're fighting. Like, it's all super dramatic action over the top already. Because there's this bunch of these hostages from a bus, uh, Spartan doesn't just kill Phoenix. He grabs him, pulls him out. And as things blow up, the sergeant there is pissed off and blames John Spartan. He's like... Damn it, John. I'm tired of this demolition man shit. I'm tired of this demolition man shit. Little name drop of the movie. That's his nickname. Which is actually named after the police song called Demolition Man. Oh, I didn't know there was a police song. Yeah, I think think it's actually, I think Sting did a rework for the movie. I think it's in the soundtrack. Like maybe like towards the end, maybe during the credits or something like that. Oh, okay. But it's actually named after the police song. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Which I, I listened to and it's the original song. It's. It's okay. I mean, it's it's kind of got a little bit of their kind of funky reggae vibes. It's a little long, but it's it's fine. They do play it at the very end of this, and actually, I was double checking. Yes, they played it at the very end, and my note was. Then an awful song plays at the end, "Demolition Man" by Sting. By Sting, not good. That was, that was my uh, entire note. So okay, so I have, I didn't I haven't listened I didn't really pay attention to the remake that Sting did. I've only heard the original Police version. Okay, well so. the one the one that I, I apparently I did not like it at the end of this movie. So. And the uh, the so the building that uh, they blew up uh, was just like an old warehouse that was going to be demolished anyway. Oddly enough, I mean, the look of what they did, the L.A. riots happened like six months before they started filming. Mm. So they just kind of took inspiration from what the L.A. riots looked like on TV okay. and put that in. Um, but apparently MTV did a contest uh, where the winner got to be the person to press the button to <laughs> d- demolish the building. Okay, that's kind of cool. All right, so uh, they're, the sergeant's you know, worried that there might have been hostages in the building that blew up. And it turns out that they were in there. But what? You know, Spartan did a, uh, a thermo check and there weren't anyone's there. Some, apparently he's set up somehow. So we cut to John Spartan in this futuristic looking prison. He is being cryogenically frozen and sentenced to 70 years. And will also be apparently beginning behavior altering software or whatever. And this is where I'm going to call bullshit. Because <laughs> even back in 1996... A good coroner should have been able to tell if the bodies were dead before the building blew up. Yeah, sure. And 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 totally, he would have been let off. There would have been circumstances. They were way too quick to charge him. I think in this case. And I, I, you know, as as someone who I, I'm fully for, like if police mess up, they need to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. In this case, I don't think it would have been very hard to prove. That the bus people were already dead. <laughs> sure. But not, not not in this timeline, John. They didn't nope. have good corners 
back in uh, this futuristic, back in the future of 1996. Uh, but we do cut to the actual future of 2032, which is only nine years away. There, we still got time. We still got time. Yeah, maybe there's going to be a big earthquake, and I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start saying "Be well." And see what yes, happens. Yes, be well. Harmonious greetings, <laughs> things like that. All right, we meet Lenina Huxley, uh, and society has become this peaceful utopia, uh, seemingly. And Huxley, she's craving action, though. You know, she's works for the police department, but there's there's nothing going on. There's the worst that happens. There's some graffiti, and you know these little things pop up from the ground and, and spray the graffiti, but the graffiti gets cleaned off immediately as well. So, um, but we meet Edgar friendly. Uh, he's kind of of that group and, you know, he's just trying to get food for his hungry people. So we have some of that set up. Uh, the city is now called San Angeles. Apparently it's a merger of the Santa Barbara, San Diego and Los Angeles areas. Which is one. dumb because everyone outside of Los Angeles just associates Santa Barbara with Los Angeles anyway. So, <laughs> but it's pretty far away though. Uh, that whole area is just Los Angeles to everyone outside of LA. Every, There's a like lot that, of spread. It's like a yeah. hundred miles in every direction. Yeah, yeah, it's quite big. So um, then we meet another officer. I always like this officer. I don't even know his name, but he's the guy played by Rob Schneider. He's pretty annoying, but he's fun. Yeah, so, <laughs> the, the, the laugh is what's yeah. the most annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, police chief is unapproving of her vulgar craving for disharmony, as he puts it, but. Um, yeah, she just, you know, she she uh, does call the chief this a sanctimonious asshole and gets an automatic fine. So we get to get a lot of use of the automatic, uh, vulgar uh, language finer in this movie. That's for mm-hmm. sure. And I can tell you right now, fuck that life. If that's what's coming in nine years, where I'm going to get fined for saying some bad language, who <laughs> this is? That's not the America I want. Uh, my son thought that was the silliest and dumbest thing he'd ever seen. Was when that when it first happened, and he laughed for quite a while. Actually, yes, I mean that is that's that's the point. I mean it's it's interesting. Some of the stuff we'll, we'll dive into this more, but there are different, and, and obviously, I think there's some um, homages to Brave New World um, and like 1984, and you know the Orwellian mentality and all this other kind of stuff. Of sure, things might seem like a utopia, but they are completely fascist and they're completely you have no you don't really have the personal freedoms that you think you, you that you do right so all right uh we meet alfredo garcia who's a kind of a goody goody kind of cop um and we also see that lenina huxley's kind of addicted to the 20th century she loves like those kind of back in the day times and whatnot she just just wants the action like they dealt with back then so we cut to simon phoenix who is apparently up for parole huh interesting the warden goes uh through it and we also see Simon's repeating everything in Spanish, interestingly. Don't really know. He guess that's part of his training. He just learned all mm-hmm. this other kind of stuff. And Simon opens uh, his locks with a voice command, Teddy Bear. And <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't even know how he knows, but he goes through and he kills the guards. And now seemingly even deadlier than before. But he does grab an X-Acto knife and cuts out the warden's eye for a retina scan, which is a gruesome but pretty fun scene. Yeah, so apparently, uh, because... Uh, very famously, Wesley Snipes has spent a lot of time studying martial arts. Mm-hmm. He actually, his movements were actually too fast for the camera, and he had to slow down his kicks. Oh, so they wow. look a little jerky in the film because he had to slow them down because apparently they were too fast for the actual camera. They would blur. That's cool. I mean, I want to be like, fucking find a better camera so we can get good, better action. 
Right. Well, that's they're why we're re- that's why we're redoing it today. That's why we're yeah. recasting this. Yes, I like it. All right. At the police station, there is a uh, a code. The code one eight seven, which is a murder death kill. Murder MDK. Murder death kill. Uh, which actually, I think that code one eight seven is actually code for murder because I I always think of like this. Uh, I think it's a Sublime song. They go one eight seven on a motherfucking cop. One eight seven. Oh, okay. Murder. I think that thing that's it. But anyway, uh, they also say the last offense was in 2010. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, how things are different in this society uh, <laughs> than they are now. So they also see the, the the wake that Simon's left behind. They see the warden die on their screens and everything. Uh, Huxley checks the parole hearings. Uh, one of her older officers recognizes uh, Phoenix. Simon Phoenix is the... Um, Zachary Lamb? Zachary Lamb, yeah. Yeah, Zachary Lamb. He, he's kind of a nice little side character. You know, he, he's one I know. I know we're not casting him, but he is one that um, he kind of pops up every now and then. Yeah, it's like nice. his, his, it's like his his one tie to the past. Yeah, the one yeah, guy he a... he knew. All right, so they uh, track Phoenix using the car that he stole, and they send pl- uh, the police units to apprehend. But uh, when Simon gets out of the car, I do like he walks up to this guy who's in a phone booth, it's like a phone booth, who's getting like this assurance. From the phone booth, he's like literally like it's telling him about you know it's giving him self assurance, almost like a therapy session. Right. I, I immediately thought of it. Huh. This is almost like the exact opposite of the suicide booth I in know. Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Just felt like that. So, all right. Uh, Simon throws him out of the out of there, and he just starts hacking everything. He's he's a man possessed. Like he's got all these extra skills and all this kind of stuff. Now he's looking for Edgar Friendly, and he hears a voice in his head about you know don't you have something to do don't you need to kill someone so apparently he's he's got you know programming if you will into his head that he needs to kill this edgar friendly guy so what's he gonna do he's gonna look to find a gun uh he does get fined for his verbal morality statute and things like that again those just pop up all over for a particularly funny scene later but um just keep that in mind so the police officers go to try to apprehend uh steps i do love one of them, who's like the leader guy, is, is kind of talking to his computer, asking for advice on how do he should proceed. I just, I mean, just shows how ill-equipped they are at handling yeah. this type of person. Yet somehow, when they attack, they look competent with those weapons. <laughs> they do. They, I mean, they look like, I mean, they actually threw some decent punches, too. Right. But he, they were just off. But yeah, but I don't know. You're right. It is interesting. But Simon Phoenix, of course, kicks their asses. Uh, and I, I love a good line. That uh, was from Rob Schneider's character. We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. <laughs> oh, how different the world is. Uh, so Simon like blows up the cop car and whatnot. And we cut to Dr. Raymond Cocteau. And he's talking um, to others about how awful the graffiti is and how much he does not like your friendly and he's a plague and all this kind of stuff. We also meet the associate Bob who's just... He, Associate Bob is basically the exact same character as Otho in Beetlejuice. I mean, it's the same actor. I, I think they just like borrowed the same wardrobe and even like haircut and everything. So it's just kind of funny. But they're just, but also just setting up that you know there's a, maybe a little bit more to Cocteau that he really doesn't like this Edgar Friendly. So um, and also that he's he's like the head leader, you know, of this entire community. Like he's he is the big boss man. So. Huxley asks about Simon Phoenix back in the day and how he was apprehended. And that's when Zachary Lamb tells them about John Spartan. It took just one man. He is the one who did it. Uh, and so she watches the videos on him. Another good line here. Simon Phoenix is an old-fashioned criminal. We need an old-fashioned cop. 
Uh, so what are they going to do, John? They're going to thaw out John Spartan. I think this is, is this where they showed the, um, the, the old videos of him and him rescuing the little girl? Yes. And the, the one lady yeah. is like, Fuck you, you, mister. Yeah. So actually, there's a tie in here that was cut out of the movie. So it is implied uh, later on uh, with the sort of the underground people, mm-hmm. you see a woman who is looks very similar to her and is implied that she grows up to be that woman. It is also in some of the scenes that are cut out that that is actually his daughter. Oh, that that's, that blonde lady, the blonde one is supposed to be his daughter? The one with the curly hair that says, fuck you, lady? Yeah. Yeah, that that is his daughter. Oh, it, all right. I was going to save this, but I'm going to bring it up again, or I'm going to bring it up now just because you brought up the daughter. What the fuck? Like, they set, they set up the daughter is still alive, probably, and they even reinforce it at one point, and then they just get rid of the storyline and they don't yeah. bring it up i almost thought like are they trying to maybe have Lena huxley be the fucking daughter or something it was weird they had the, had the whole da- daughter as a potential and then they just went away from it yeah apparently there was a if you i guess in the um in the cut in the theatrical cut you can kind of see him protecting someone during the big wasteland battle like with simon phoenix and stuff like that and that mm-hmm. is i guess that is meant to be kate but the scenes that that tell us that that's who she is the daughter were uh-huh. cut out. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I, di- I didn't get the connection that the that the blonde, the curly haired girl, was going to be his daughter, because yeah, there's that. There's no, it's fuck you, lady. That's what it was. Because it was a reporter who was like, you know, you blew up a six million dollar mini mall just to save some girl whose ransom, ransom was twenty five thousand or something like that. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah, exactly. Which there's some validity to that but not human value is human worth is well worth more than all that but right. still his methods may may not be the most fiscally sound How about that right <laughs> uh okay interesting i i don't like that i do not like the connection that that's his daughter cuz then of course he's going to do what he can to just kill everybody who takes his daughter which is probably why they cut it out yeah yeah it just didn't didn't make much sense so yeah all right anyway Spart- yeah, so Spartan asks about his wife. She apparently died in the earthquake um, and about the daughter. But again, it's cut off. We don't really know what happened to her. Uh, they brief him on Simon Phoenix's murder spree and everything and brings him up to speed on society and, and stuff like that of how they are today. We get fish out of water kind of comedy stuff as John Spartan gets fully thought out and has to use the bathroom. But when he was in there, there wasn't toilet paper, John. There were just these three seashells, which we never find out how to use them. We never no. find out. Any, and that's that's what that's what adds to the humor. I agree. And I think that's the best thing is that they'd never explain it. Yeah, that's yeah. the funny thing. And apparently the writer called a buddy of his because he was like, I'm trying to figure out what's you know, something to make this bathroom futuristic. And apparently the, the other writer who he called was like, well, I've got this bag of seashells in my bathroom like as a decoration he goes i'll come up with something with that and that's what he came up with <laughs> okay and apparently okay someone asked uh sylvester stallone what the deal was the three shows, which i don't know why you would ask him he was the actor he was not the writer it was not yeah. his story uh and a, his his answer was you use them like chopsticks and like basically <laughs> to clamp that which is like the dumbest fucking answer that is a terrible idea it's a it's like because I think it would be you'd, you'd use them as a scoop, like one each side. You scoop, you right. got three scoops to get everything yeah. out. <laughs> so I, the, I don't know. The the thing is, is that we're not supposed to know 
because there is no answer. The uh, the writer, I'm yeah. sure, didn't come up with an answer. It was just a here's the thing. Now you have to use your imagination to figure yeah. it out. And I like I like I prefer not knowing. It is a question I do not need to have answered. First of all, I don't need to to hear how other people deal with their shit. <laughs> Chopsticks, <laughs> chopstick it out. That's gross. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, I feel like it is a, a question that's going to plague these actors for the rest of their lives, wherever they do, yeah. anyone who brings up this movie. But it's one of those, I like that it is included and not explained. It's one of those things that yeah. I think works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But now I just want to go up to Rob Schneider because his apparently his character knows all about it. So I, I want to see how he thinks the three seashells are, are used. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this just came into my head, but apparently in the original idea uh, was to get Jackie Chan to play Simon Phoenix instead of uh, mm. uh, instead of Wesley Snipes. No way. Um, but J- Jackie Chan didn't want to do it because apparently audiences in Hong Kong didn't like it when Hong Kong hero actors went over to the U.S. to play uh. villains. So he turned it down. They went with Wesley Snipes instead. And, and as much as I love Jackie Chan... I don't think he, especially in 1993, has has the um, the the English to play Simon Phoenix as the as like I like the crazy version right. that Wesley Snipe plays him. Like he plays him like a fucking psycho. Uh, well, and that's that. You know, I can't see Jackie Chan playing the crazy yeah. psycho. He's too yeah. like he, he's too personable and fun and goofy yeah. in his movies, and and just yeah. I, I agree. It was the it was the right choice to turn that down. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. So, uh, so John Spartan and Zachary Lamb have a nice little reunion, and even just the way that Spartan talks to him, he uses profanity and whatnot. I do like the line here that they that they say they seem to be friends, but he speaks to him in the most profane manner. If you had read my study, you know this is how insecure heterosexual males used to bond. I felt personally attacked on that on that line from Sandra Bullock. My, my wife let out the biggest gut laugh at that line. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of true. Absolutely, that's how we that's how we talk. So, uh, meanwhile, that gives John Spartan an idea, and he curses up a storm to get more and more tickets, uh, which we know is just going to be used for toilet paper. So much for the seashells. So, all right, a little later, uh, John Spartan's not happy about how fascist society has become, um, and it is interesting you know Mm -hmm. as a kid i never really dived into the society as a whole as a kid i just kind of saw oh here's this very clean this very peace this very serene um society that's Mm -hmm. getting kind of torn up why would it why wouldn't you want to keep that but it's dead on like the the idea of lacking personal freedoms and edgar friendly in general and the idea of you know that there isn't free speech and you can, you know, you get fined for cursing up a storm and all this other kind of stuff. It it absolutely seems um, totalitarian style government. And, and it's not one that I would want to live in. I agree. All. No. So um, Spartan pushes that Simon is going to be going for a gun. And they say that there's all guns. They're only available at a museum. So we cut to a museum. Uh, Simon's there in the Hall of Violence. <laughs> like that. And uh, so... Spartan and Alfredo and Huxley head out and some humor a little bit that he wants to drive. But once he gets into the car, he sure as hell doesn't know how to drive. So he gets out, lets her, lets uh, 
uh, Huxley Drive instead. And she plays some classic mini tunes, as they called it. And it's the music that they listen to in today's society isn't music. It's advertising jingles. <laughs> and like old advertising jingles. Yeah. Yeah. Like these like the kind of cringy kind of stuff. Uh, do, I like Simon's or uh, Spartan's line of somebody put me back in the fridge. Somebody put me back in the fridge because <laughs> it's it's so cringy. It's so terrible. But honestly, it also feels accurate to this kind of because like when I also think of like dystopian future stuff, I also think of companies running everything right like monopolies and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah screw uh, creative thought. Here's just some of our jingles to make you want to buy things all the times. Right. You know, that's that's what I also kind of feel like. All right. Uh, Phoenix tries to break into the glass. Uh, to get a gun, but he ends up doing so by throwing a, uh, <laughs> a museum worker through it. Uh, so he's he gets loaded up with guns, and then he actually ends up finding some future tech as well. Uh, I do want to call out. He says a line, excuse me, Rambo, I need to borrow this. I thought that was a super cute meta little line that they threw in there. Yeah. Ob- obviously. It was a for, fun uh, reference. Spartan, Garcia, and Huxley enter the museum, um, and they only have... The weapon that he has is, is a non-lethal glow rod which is just kind of like it it will help knock people out like that's kind of it that's how they use it i mean that that's a still pretty effective uh oh implement yeah. oh sure. absolutely i mean it's like it's like an intense taser like, yeah so simon blasts up the locked door oh yeah he's trying to get out but it had some lock stuff he blasts through it with a cannon uh, and it's spartan's back so now they have a little gunfight between the two of them uh, but ultimately simon is able to escape as he's Leaving the museum, he sees Dr. Raymond Cocteau, who is oddly confident around him. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have any fear. He's not scared of this psychopath at all. In fact, it's obvious right here that he's the one who masterminded Simon Phoenix's escape. Mm -hmm. And he's don't you have someone to kill Edgar Friendly? And so he obviously brought him back because he wants Simon to kill Edgar Friendly, which seems like such a dumb idea. Seems like a terrible idea. Like, you couldn't have found a better way to kill kill the guy you didn't want, like, as opposed to sending in a psychopath who is unhinged, right. who you can't really control, or I guess he thought he could control him. Yeah, I mean, I t- the, the, the way I'm justifying this in my head is he's gotten his way so many times that he can't conceive of someone not doing what he wants them to do. And that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, after he's quote-unquote, saved when Simon runs off. Uh, Cocteau invites John Spartan to dinner at Taco Bell. Uh, John John confused. Uh, but he's, like, <laughs> looking forward to it. So we cut to Spartan talking to the police, trying to figure everything out. Um, the chief wants to... His plan on when to find Simon Nexus, well, we'll just wait for another another murder-to-death kill. And then when he, when he does that, then we'll go find the person and we'll stop him there. We'll go for, and it's like, yeah, that's a good plan. Like, yeah, yeah. wow, that's police work. Yeah, absolutely. In the release uh, outside of the U.S., or at least outside of North America, uh, it was not Taco Bell because Taco Bell did not exist outside of North America. Uh, it was Pizza Hut. Oh, which is which we know has a huge international presence. Yeah. So in, in most cases, it was, I believe, Pizza Hut. There were a few where they actually did have Taco Bell because they didn't have Taco Bell or Pizza Hut, so they just went, oh, screw it, we'll just leave Taco Bell in. They'll... What does it matter? So, I mean, it particularly works for American audiences because Taco Bell was known as like the cheap 
redheaded stepchild of fast food at the time. At the time. And and now it is uh the cheap I wouldn't even call it cheap anymore. Like my the uh, it's as expensive as any other fast it, food spot. That's true. That is true. I just we just actually just had Taco Bell last night actually. I do like me some Taco Bell. Yeah. But it's it now it's got they kind of they're known for their wacky stuff and it's not like yeah. just like here's cheap tacos. I, I miss the double decker, man. I know it's the best. Double Decker was fantastic. That was my jam. I've pretty much just gone down to just soft tacos now. Like I, I do like their regular. I, I typically will get either a cheesy gordita crunch and a and a soft taco, or sometimes I do get the grilled cheese burrito that they have because I like some of the wacky stuff. But I, I used to be a double decker and a beefy five layer. Like those, were, I got mm-hmm. one of each, and like that was like I loved. The I pretty, decker. I'm pretty much just down to the, a bean burrito or soft taco, and that's pretty much sure. it. Okay, fair. What is your Taco Bell order? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. All right, so um, on their drive to dinner, uh, Huxley mentions to Spartan uh, about oh the the something about yada yada the pres- the Schwarzenegger Presidential Library, mm-hmm. and she mentions oh you know he, or she kind of brought up yes that. Schwarzenegger was president and this freaks out, you know, St- Stallone's character, which is funny because Stallone and Schwarzenegger are good friends, but they also obviously had that rivalry. Yeah. And this was way before Schwarzenegger was governor of California. So right. they, they foreshadowed his political run. I mean, he was a ter- two term governor of California. Yeah. So I think that was, that was kind of a fun little, have little, you, uh, uh, have precedent. you watched the, uh, the Schwarzenegger documentary that was on net- that's on Netflix? I, I got rid of my Netflix, so oh, okay. I, I yeah I I might I'm considering bringing it back for that, and then also I heard that the American Gladiators documentary was really good too. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'm gonna watch that now. Yeah, I've heard. Know. Yeah, someone told me that was really good, so I need to watch that. I love that. Out. We we all know. Yeah, or we all loved American Gladiators. So Simon goes and finds an entrance to the sewer, so he goes in, and then cut back to Huxley who explains that Taco Bell was the only store that won that survived the franchise wars and all restaurants are now Taco Bell just kind of funny and we get there and it's like this someone's playing uh, a p- piano with yeah, a classic it's ad like, jingle it's a uh, the Jolly Green Giant it's like a lounge version of that <laughs> yeah it's funny um, and we and we see associate Bob there and Cocteau um, talking about you know how he wants to clean up the city and things like that. He really does not like graffiti and does not like these ruffians. Right. No, but I mean it's it's really it's turned into a society of like a, like a, almost like a caste system. Yeah. You know, like everyone like they're here they they are you're the clean people living on the top, and then here's these subterranean gross people that the people at the top think are just pond scum. They're not they're not even human. Kind of like in Futurama. Kind of like in Futurama. There you go. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities. How about that? Uh, Spartan sees some suspicious things kind of popping up. These probes from underground. He saw one earlier, too. Um, then he sees a guy on a dirt bike. It's Edgar Friendly and his crew. They're raiding the Taco Bell for food. And so Spartan tries to stop them. Um, but then he just also realizes they're just taking food. You know, they're not um, doing any. Now, granted, that is still against the law. Uh, right. But, you know, he also has more of a heart for it than obviously someone who's who's a, a killer and things like that. So, yeah. you know, he's angry about you know about this whole situation yeah sure so uh, also in this the this dinner scene um huxley is wearing this very nice looking mm-hmm. like sparkly dress which yes Sandra bullock looked really good in. i'm not gonna say she did apparently there were so many like fake gems and stones on there the whole dress weighed like 40 pounds 
Oh, wow. And there's a scene where she kind of like, she gets like excited about the fact that he was like fighting and she like yes. jumps up and down. Apparently she ripped the dress in that scene. So in the next scene, when she has her hands folded, she's literally holding the dress together. <laughs> That's funny. A quick little scene here of like after that, where John brings up, you know, his daughter again, again, brought up the daughter mm-hmm. and Huxley says, oh, I could look her up, but he stops her. So again, you know, and, and then this is the last we hear about the daughter. And again, that really did bother me. So uh, meanwhile, Simon Phoenix is in Cocteau's home. Further, just emphasizing that Simon was brought out to kill Friendly. Um, and he mentions, you know, to take him down, he's going to need some of his friends to make that happen. So he can have his own little gang. Cocteau accepts. But uh, we can also just tell that Simon's got some other motives here. And mm-hmm. that he, yes, he's under control, but not completely. He's got... He's got himself a plan. Yeah. So Spartan and Huxley go to her apartment and she talks about, whew, man, that neurological arousal that happens between, you know, violence and sex and whatnot. And so she very casually says, hi, would you or would you like to have sex with me? And he's like, yeah, he's he's, he's ready for it. He's excited. You know, he's been on ice for 40 something years, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. He's, he's definitely blocked up. So, uh, <laughs> and she comes out, though. In a robe, looks good in that, but also with this weird headgear stuff. And she puts it on, and they, John puts it on, and it's like all these flashes, all this stuff. Like it's 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 erotic, but it's like it's hitting all these, you know, it's hitting your brain waves, mm-hmm. and it's not like actual sex that we would consider that. So right. it's transmitting something. But he's freaked out about it. He just wants to do the the physical contact, you know, the mumbo jumbo, the hunka chunka, whatever, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but apparently it's not allowed even. Even kissing isn't allowed. So again, more fascist uh, society. Um, but she mentions it's because, you know, they had all these diseases and to stop this, the only way is to get rid of freedoms to stop that. So, And it is, I, I mean, uh, to get further into that, it is interesting where we have to draw. There's there is a line to be drawn, John. Like where where do we consider it? Because safety versus personal freedom, and the one I immediately kind of think of is is safety belts. Mm-hmm. So we as a society have decided to save lives. It's more important to save lives than the freedom to not wear a car safety belt, right? Because you know it can also be harmful if you your body gets thrown from it. It can hurt somebody else and things right. like that. So we have decided as a society that 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 is a thing. It's not, unfortunately, absurdly insane to think of there might be a society in the future where it's just like, oh, no, there's too many of these sexual transmitted diseases. Like she mentions, there's other ones that got up and maybe it got so bad mm-hmm. that I said, no, 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 you have to have a permit to have a child and you have to, you know, it's not allowed to have, you know, physical contact anymore. There is a it's a weird line of where where do you get where do you allow personal freedoms and where do you allow for the safety of society? I don't know. It's a, it makes me think of a scary slope. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's already there's already countries now that, you know, I mean, for a long time, I don't know if they're still doing I can't remember if they're still doing it, but China only allowed you to have two children. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I still remember that in my lifetime. I Honestly, I think it's still, if it's not still a thing illegal, you know, officially, I think it's still a thing socially. I think it, honestly, I thought it was one child for a while, and then I think they upped it to two. Right. I think it's still at that two, and then you get, like, either a tax or something. Which is why there are so many uh, Chinese girls up for adoption, because families want a boy, so if they have a girl, they just put them up for adoption. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that as well, so. But, all right, so, as John Spartan wants wants to do the physical contact, she's not for it. He leans in to kiss her. Do you like this line? What are you doing? What are you doing? Breaking the law. 
That's a that's a damn good line. That's a good line. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, how did she not get a little sexified right there? I mean, that's that's hot. That's a good line. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, he has to go to his own apartment. Here, as we mentioned way earlier, he gets a wrong number, a video call from this random woman, literally just to throw some nudity into the movie. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense in the movie. No, because then he immediately just checks footage of Simon escaping the museum. Like, you could have cut to just that. Yeah. This was only there for boobage. Yeah. So, um, but it's also kind of strange, though, because, well, I guess, I don't know. I was, tr- I was trying to have a tie on to the society of sexualization is it allowed versus not allowed? I mean, she's just calling, but maybe, maybe in the future, it's like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal to right. have naked people around. So, right. Yeah. I'm a free the nipple guy. So I don't care. But uh, anyway, um, so he checks and, you know, he sees this weird interaction between Simon uh, and Cocteau. So he's also knitting at the time. So just a little setup that he, some of the uh, programming that he had, he wants to, he constantly wants to knit because the next day he knit a sweater for Cuxley. And they talk about his cravings to knit and the rehabilitation program that he went through and stuff like that. And he complains that Simon Phoenix got worse uh, as opposed to getting better as a, as a villain. So they look at his rehabilitation program and he had like Kung Fu training. He had, you know, hacker skills, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. He was created to become even more intense as a killer. So uh, we also find out that apparently Cocteau developed these programs and this could have been going on for a while. Like Cocteau maybe early on, I'm just just spitballing here. Cocteau might have early on been trying to set himself like, okay, if I need some people to defend me, I'm going to, you know, need or to do my bidding. I'm going to do this now. Granted, I don't know. Why wouldn't you do it with? Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know why he chose Simon Phoenix, but he particularly did. So they go see Cocteau and Spartan confronts him over a video chat at first. It does eventually find him uh, in there. But he, but he commands Spartan to be returned to the cryostasis, but, you know, that's not going to happen. Right. So Spartan, Garcia, and Huxley, they prep to go underground to find Simon Phoenix before he can kill Edgar Friendly. Uh, they do that, and they find this underground society of people. And here's another one of my favorite. This is one of a scene that I always think about Yeah, when I think about this movie. He finds, finally, he gets finds some good food, and he finds a burger, a burger, and a beer. But uh, there's no cows down, down uh, in the underground. No, job. but I will say those burgers looked good. I mean, I'm sure they were actually burgers, but in real yes. life. But I mean, they still looked good. Yeah, it was uh, made from rat rat burger. Yeah, eh, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, at, I mean that, hell yeah. at, at that point, you'd probably be craving meat. He'll take whatever he can get. I mean, if it, you know, if it tastes good, then it doesn't matter. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they realize that these people down here are not hostile. They are just an underground society trying to get by you know they're definitely not um these vicious people that they they're told they are uh, Edgar friendly holds them up uh and spartan eventually you know recognizes him and them and all that kind of stuff and you know that they're down there as a resistance to free will did you rec- and i do i huh did you recognize one of uh, uh Edgar friendly's lackeys I d- you see him very briefly, but it looked like a young Jack Black to me. It was exactly a young Jack Black. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this is this is ninety three Jack Black. He looks like a baby child. Yeah, but it was funny. It's funny to see him in there. But yeah, yeah, Edgar Friendly does his little ranting 
you know, as Dennis Leary would. I'm the kind of guy that like to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen the future. You know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer wiener. Uh, meanwhile, Phoenix has his friends thought out and he updates them on the situation. And I recognized one of them as well, uh, who is uh, someone who has been in other projects with uh, Schwarzenegger before. And that is uh, Jesse Ventura played one of the goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. Exactly. So underground, they're down there and. Simon there is his opportunity to kill Friendly and Spartan together and we get a gunfight that occurs uh, but you know they don't end up dying from any of that and Simon escapes and he steals a police car in the surface and Spartan and Huxley uh, have to bring up they find this old Oldsmobile 442 uh, down there and they bring it up to the surface via this elevator that somehow pops up from the ground I don't think that's how <laughs> physics and elevators work yeah Something's got to be pulling the elevator yes. up. <laughs> it needs a cable on the wall, but whatever. So they have a car chase, it's- and uh, Spartan ends up jumping onto the car that Simon's driving. And, and Simon, while all this madness is going on, Simon also explains that you know the people that he had hostage back in the day were actually dead beforehand, all this kind of stuff. So uh, Simon throws him out of the car, and then Spartan crashes and survives and all this kind of stuff with futuristic safety foam. That saves his life. By the, by the way, that the car, the police car, was an actual concept car uh, that GM came up with in 1992 called the Ultralight. Um, and so they got the use of this car for the for the movie. It was the only one GM had was this one oh. the one car. So all the other cars, the cra- the crew had to build Ooh, wow. to look to look like the Ultralight. So they took like, um, like a what, Toyota Camry or something and just something like that and just adjusted. put a shell over it or something yeah, like shell, that. Whatever yeah. they needed to do. Okay. There were a few other. Kind of, I think a few other cars that they were able to kind of adjust to make look look futuristic, as it were. Um, but the main police car was this '92 uh, GM Ultralight concept car that they created. Huh. I wonder what was so special about that car. But Ultralight. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it's it one. It was electric. Okay. Uh, two. I mean, that's a, it's it's exactly you know looking at the photos of the actual concept car. That's exactly what it looked like. Was that car just they painted the police stuff? Okay. Onto the outside of it for it. So. Um, cool. I mean, it, it had the wing doors and everything. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. Yeah, how come yeah. none of these concept cars, like, you never see? Like, some of them have these very futuristic looks, and then they never go anywhere. We just get, like, the I, same fucking designs over and over again. I, people are going to be waiting for the Cybertruck forever. <laughs> it's never coming, people. Yeah, It's no never one, coming. No one cares about the Cybertruck, so. All right, uh, the chief of police is pissed at how much damage John Spartan has caused and all this kind of stuff. But uh, also we see that all the ruffians from underground have come up and even Garcia has joined them. So they're all they're going to be banded together to try and stop Simon Phoenix. Even Huxley's had enough with the chief and says, you know, chief, you can take this job and you can shovel it. Eh, close enough. It's cute. It's cute because she's trying to use the parlance of the 90s and ha ha ha. So, all right. Cocteau and Simon meet. Uh, but Simon's had enough taking orders from Cocteau. And so he tosses a gun uh, to one of his friends, it's the Jesse Ventura character, and he kills Cocteau for him right away. So he's free from that burden. Which is another stupid thing on Cocteau's part. Why wouldn't he put the same limitations yeah. on the people that were coming out as he did on Simon Phoenix? That's it's very so dumb. It's, I, I I took it yes, as just as a as a an oversight 
uh, from Cocteau because he was just trying yeah. to get... He wanted to get Edgar Friendly killed so bad, he was giving Simon what he wanted without too much hesitation and, and too much yeah. thought into it. But yeah, it was it was very, very poor planning. He's not that smart of a guy, obviously. Yeah, clearly. So. All right, so Huxley and Spartan have to fight some henchmen uh, to get in and get to them, and he's impressed with some of the fighting skills that Huxley's got, but uh, she does even have to kill somebody. She has to shoot somebody and kill someone herself, so... Yeah, and I do. It, nice, nice little said. You said they wanted Jackie Chan. Nice little like a reference to him because she's like mm-hmm. kicking around. And she said, and he goes, "Oh, how'd you learn to kick like that?" And she says, "Jackie Chan movies." So yeah. there you go, little little uh, little tie to him. So uh, they find Cocteau dead, and these cryo prisoners are just they're trying. They're releasing all these other guys in a bunch. They're just going to start uh, complete and utter anarchy in this new society. Uh, so they need to stop it. So. Spartan uses his electric wand thing, knocks out Huxley because she's, you know, it's just it's too dangerous for her. She's not ready for this kind of thing. So he's got to he's got to go on Demolition Man style alone. You know, which you know, which joke uh, didn't really land or not land, but doesn't didn't age well was the Jeffrey Dahmer joke uh, because he died like less than a year after this movie was released. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That makes so sense. he 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 would have uh, in the future where when the cryo prison was uh, formed he would he would have been dead long before this was even created sure so. sure <laughs> so uh, Simon yeah he's thawing people out yes that Jeffrey Dahmer joke another and we get another send a maniac to catch a maniac line and in bus Spartan solo gunfights go on madness Simon grabs him with this claw thing just playing with him toying with him and whatnot but. Spartan is able to freeze the arm. He busts out of the cryogenic arm grabber and ends up uh, shooting a laser thing that fucks up. Simon shoots a laser thing that fucks up all the place. I mean, it's just gunfight stuff going around right now. It's madness. And Simon seemingly has the upper hand, but then Spartan grabs the cryogenic freezy ball thing uh, and (laughs) is able to throw it to the ground and it freezes everything, but he's able to stay unfrozen as he kicks the head off of Simon, decapitating him, which I want to add is a perfect tie to the beginning, their very first fight. I, I caught that this time around. I, I never caught that before, but I don't know why. Yeah. The same thing for me. Simon had a line where he says, I swear I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached, and then that's how he ultimately dies. Yeah, I caught that too, which I was like, oh, that it's, it's, it's the little things. It's one of the, it's good writing, when you can rewatch a movie mm-hmm. and catch more things, you can still get it the first time, but you go back and already knowing what's going to happen, the little yeah. things that they set up in the in the front that you just subconsciously don't, you know, don't think about. I think this. I think that was really good writing. I agree, absolutely agree. So, all right, so the whole place explodes, and Spartan is able to run out just in time. The police chief is worried about you know what they'll do and all this stuff, and Spartan suggests that they. Kind of meet in the middle. You you dirty up a little bit, and you clean yourselves up a little bit, and you know we'll make a, a better society because of that. When he's talking to Edgar Friendly and his crew and whatnot, so Huxley's back awake in his you know fit of excitement. Spartan kisses her, and she likes it. And <laughs> there's just one thing that he wants to know by the end of the movie: how those damn three seashells work. <laughs> and that's the end. And then that awful song, Demolition Man from Sting <laughs> plays. So I'll go first because it sounds like you made this a family affair. We did. We, okay. we all watched it. 
Well, then I, I, I want to hear you make the rounds on, on the whole family sure. affair stuff. So I think what makes this movie weirdly perfect for our podcast is the nostalgic meta factor. Uh, so th- in this movie, they address kind of the love of the past of nostalgia that Huxley has. And Spartan kind of talks about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, are, we talk about nostalgia in general. But we're also feeling the same way about a nostalgic movie from 30 years ago and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's, it's layers upon layers of nostalgia from this movie. I had a wonderful time rewatching this movie. It is dumb fun action. I think this movie works and it works well. I I'm trying to think like other than a couple Rockies, do I like this movie better than any other uh, Stallone movie? I think so. I think it's, it's probably like Rocky one and Rocky four. And then this movie is my next favorite Stallone movie. Like this is a fucking good movie. Um, It's certainly not perfect. I will reiterate that the daughter thing actually pisses me off the more we can praise it for the writing on that. But then at the same time, they kind of drop the ball by setting, just cut out the rest of the daughter lines. Just like, mm-hmm. don't even talk about the daughter. You could, you could, I, I, as an editor, I could see easily ways to cut around that. Just say, oh, he had a wife and she's dead and that's it. Or say the daughter, they died in the, to say they both died in the fucking thing, but like just cut her out because it made it too confusing and unnecessary to have it. But either, either way, even with that in there, I enjoyed the performances. I think everybody did a good job acting with all their stuff. I think, yeah, Wesley Snipes was a fantastic maniac. Mm-hmm. You know, the gristled old badass was played very well by Stallone. Everyone else, the innocent innocent part from Sandra Bullock, everybody did a great job. This is a solid 90s action flick, and I could see myself watching it anytime. Uh, so uh, apparently part of the reason why they cut out some of the daughter stuff was test audiences were turned off by the fact that by the end of the movie, Stallone is basically sleeping with a woman who's the same age as his daughter. And so that's part of the reason why they cut a lot of that out. Sure. Sure. I I mean, that's why I, that's what made it feel like weird. Like, are they going to have Huxley somehow? Like she'll say, Oh, I weirdly, I was adopted or some shit like that. Right. I didn't, it it just, I agree. I would say, get rid of the fucking romance part and bring in the daughter part. I don't need them being a romantic thing. Honestly. Fair enough. Honestly, I don't need the, daughter part because there's yeah. there's too much of the story action story they need to get to anyway so get to that cut the yeah, daughter yeah, part yeah. out cut the daughter part yeah it's kind of like in the the i think it's like the aliens director's cut when they talk about the the daughter there i'm like honestly i don't i don't care about mm-hmm. the her daughter just yeah sure cut it that's why that's why i think the theatrical cut is actually the superior cut okay fair of aliens i love this movie it's dumb fun as you said my family liked it too. Uh, my we had to kind of watch it in halves because my son had something in between. So we watched like the first two thirds of it, and then we had to leave and come back. My daughter watched this with the first two half, uh, first two thirds, I should say, uh, but then didn't watch the end because she didn't care. I she she was already <laughs> past it. Every you know what she's weird like that where she she I'll say hey I watched this movie she goes can I watch it and I'll go yes and she'll watch a about half of it and then she'll check out and go do something else <laughs> okay uh but no my son um in fact he was eager to get back and finish the movie because he was having a lot of fun with it it was done dumb fun for him because some of the stuff is kind of stupid but it was fun action things i he really i think enjoyed it he's been enjoying a lot of the the movies uh lately that we've been watching so that's good. been good i think even my wife enjoyed rewatching this movie because it was again it was just as nostalgic for her as it as you know as it was for us and I could I could watch this, you know, anytime, anywhere. It's it's fun. All 
All right, now we're moving on to a similar but different property in Futurama. So Futurama first came out in 1999, and then on and off, it has been uh, running for eight seasons, 148 episodes. Uh, season one through four was on Fox, and then it took six years off the air and then came back for seasons five through seven on Comedy Central. And then it was off the air for 10 years until it has come back on for season eight, which is currently going on on Hulu. So uh, I have been mostly kept up to, d- to date on the Futurama episodes as, they're, as they've been coming out. Yeah, in 2023, we're back to Futurama. It's kind of wild. Yep. I, I kind of forgot it was 10 years off the air uh, since it yeah. came back. Yeah. Because I this is did. a show I would come back. I'd, I'd put on pretty often. This is, I'll go ahead and say this. This is a show that is almost always on in my house because both of my children love this show. Sure. They will just throw it on just to have it on. They kind of go through spurts where they'll go between several shows. They'll go between The Simpsons. The, they went between Fantasy and Fur for a while. They actually went to How I Met Your Mother for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Futurama is one of the shows that is that they'll just throw on. Sure. So it, it is constantly on in my house. Uh, it was created by Matt Groening, uh, who we know him from The Simpsons, of course. I mean, that's his, his big property right there. Uh, the cast for this show, a lot of guys do multiple, and so I can't do all like the characters. I'm not going to say all sure. of them, but like Fry, The Professor, Zap Brannigan, many others, voiced by Billy West, who we know from Ren and Stimpy. He voiced Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd in multiple things, including the Space mm-hmm. Jam movie from the 90s. Tons of and stuff. And apparently, Zap Brannigan's character was originally conceived to be Phil Hartman. Yeah. Doing that. And then after Phil Hartman died, Billy West just does, just does an impersonation of Phil Hartman. Mm hmm. For Zap, Bat- for Zap Brannigan. Yeah, it would have been perfect to have Phil Hartman on, on there, but uh, I get it. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't be. So, uh, Bender is voiced by John DiMaggio. Uh, he is Jake in Adventure Time. He's done multiple Ben 10 franchises. Tons of stuff from mm-hmm. John DiMaggio. I always think of... I didn't even watch Adventure Time, but I always think of his bacon pancake song. Make a bacon pancakes, make a bacon pancakes. I, I don't know why. I mean, I like <laughs> bacon fine. pancakes. Uh, Leela is played by, uh, voiced by Katie Seagal. Uh, we know her from Married with Children, Sons of Anarchy, Eight Simple Rules, quite a bit of stuff from her as well. She's fantastic. I always find it funny that the, her full name is Taranga Leela, and I don't know if this is the case, but there is a symphony from the early 20th century called the Taranga Leela Symphony, oh. and I'm not sure what Taranga Leela refers to. I've never actually looked it up. I just know it as the name of the one symphony. So I always associate her with the symphony. symphony. Interesting. I had, yep. Yeah, didn't know anything about that. Uh, Hermes and uh, plenty of other voices are also voiced by Phil Lamar. Uh, he voiced Samurai Jack in the show Samurai Jack. He was um, in the Pulp Fiction movie, Mad TV, bunch of stuff from Phil Lamar. Uh, Morbo, Calculon, Kiff, tons of stuff by Maurice LaMarche. Uh, Pinky, or sorry, he's Brain from Pinky and the Brain. He was in The Critic. He's uh, Maurice LaMarche is, is an amazing voice actor. Amy Wong is voiced by Lauren Tom. Uh, she was Julie, one of Ross's girlfriends in the movie or in the show Friends from the nineties or early, in late two thousand, early two thousands. Uh, she was also uh, pretty much the entire Khan family, the uh, or not Khan's Khan and Khan's family in King of the Hill. So the mm. neighbors. Uh, Scruffy and others are voiced by David Herman. We know him from 
a lot of some Mike Judge stuff, Office Space and Idiocracy, but also Dude, Where's My Car? And, of course, we have to mention uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Welker, uh, voiced Nibbler, amongst other kind of voices and, and mm-hmm. sounds and stuff like that. So, And, honestly, it's a Matt Groening project, so there are tons of amazing voice actors and cameos in this. And so I, I can't even go through all of them. I, I'm not even going to try because there's tons of like either actor actors playing themselves or kind of people doing, you know, like faux cameo roles like, you know, the Nixon and things like that, stuff like that. So, so the basics of this show it follows the adventures of slacker Philip J. Fry, who was cryogenically preserved for a thousand years and revived on December 31st, 2999. Uh, he ends up working for an interplanetary delivery company called Planet Express and wacky adventures happen. Like every mm-hmm. episode, there's something silly going on. I mean, it's 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 very simple. You know, it's a it's a sitcom. Silly stuff arises from either their work or from other just whatever is going on. Um, it's always funny. It, it, a lot of the stuff early on was kind of like fish out of water as, as Fry was kind of new to this society and like, Oh, here's this crazy stuff. They all, fl- they travel around in tubes and flying cars and things like that. Um, there are no three seashells to my knowledge on this show, but <laughs> other stuff going on. And yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, Futurama is a show that we could absolutely have done like a top 10, Futurama side characters or top 10 episodes. Yeah. Without question. I mean, I want to mention Slurms McKenzie. I love that character who's like barely <laughs> on a few, but that's one of my favorite episodes. Wiggy Wham Wham Wazzle. Like, I love Slurms <laughs> McKenzie. Lur from the Planet Omicron Percy I8. Mom. Right. All the different like celebrity heads that are in, you know, in their jars, basically. The different robots, the robot devil or Ricardo or any of those kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's a bajillion. It's, 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 it's like the Simpsons, but it's set in the, in the future. I think at the height, Futurama was easily as good. And some people would say better. And I'm okay with that of the Simpsons at its height. I, I completely agree with that statement. Yeah. At least as good, if not better. Sure. I think Simpsons had a longer stretch of like some really good. And then they kind of really fell off. Mm-hmm. But Futurama, like some of the absolute top tiers, I want to mention like some of my favorites. They're the ones that tug at the heartstrings are some of the ones that hit you the most, like that seven leaf clover episode. Obviously the, the resurrected dog episode is an intense one that I see. I see like memes about, and there were multiple movies that, uh, that they pulled off on this one. And some of those movies are actually quite good. Mm -hmm. So, and something else that's quite good is the, the theme song. It's just a nice little instrumental, but, like, it fits really well with the show. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, Futurama, I don't I don't even know where to talk about it because there's so many good things. Yeah. I will say I've watched the, some of the episodes. Actually, I think the very first episode back on Hulu, on Hulu is mm-hmm. awesome. I think they did a great job. And then the rest of the episodes that I've seen so far haven't been as good. They've been okay. 
They've been okay. Yeah, we've been watching them. Uh, my son, like every Monday, is like, "Oh, time for a new Futurama." He's very excited about it. Yeah. Um. So we've been, you know, he'll come home and throw those on, and they've been fine. I agree. I think the first one was was probably the best one, but um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say any of them so far have been like horrible or unwatchable. No, just not haven't just haven't been as good. Yeah, yeah. The first one felt like the most Futurama esque. They had like a. Uh, a, a Christmas episode, and I'm like, it's not even fucking cr- close to Christmas. Like, why am I watching this right now? But <laughs> right. stuff like that. But anyway, I can also honestly, I, and I mean this in in the nicest of ways. I can hear the strain in Billy West's voice. Mm-hmm. You know, these trying, guys are trying I mean, to get is, those high registers. Yeah, it, it, they're just they they are older. I mean, these voice actors right. who we love and amazing. It's been ten years since he's had to voice Fry. And he's brought it back, and he's already. I mean, he's he's probably in his late sixties, if not early seventies. Yeah, something so, like that. And he's amazing. You know, it's just it's just tougher. All the same kind of thing. I have watched like a, a somewhat recent Simpsons, and the the voice actor that does Marge, you, you can hear it. Like Marge doesn't sound anything like she used to because. The, right. this, and Marge, honestly, is going to hurt the voice anyway. And so right. doing that for 30 fucking years, like, <laughs> it does it to you. So, yeah. Um, but there are so many amazing episodes with the show. So many, uh, I don't know, I just feel like, it feels like iconic kind of moments. And this is a show that I would say, without question for me, more episodes of Futurama are watchable good episodes than are of The Simpsons. I mean, uh, percentage-wise. I want to say percentage-wise. Okay. How about that? I, I think Simpsons has some, like, it has longer stretch of being, like, at, at, at staying at, like, above level of equality. Mm-hmm. But there's so many episodes of The Simpsons, they've had stretches where they just haven't been that good. Futurama, the, there's usually, like, less episodes per season that aren't as good. Okay. So, that's just, I, and I think I think that. But also, I have not seen a lot of more recent Simpsons. So, I probably should. I have because uh, my kids are still into it. Um, I still find it to be funny. Okay. I don't. I don't find it to be you know like maybe maybe it doesn't quite exactly have the same cultural relevance and stuff like that. But I find them to be fine. Like I have I haven't walked away from a Simpsons episode when been like that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Okay, they're all I they're all still fine. Like I think they're all still watchable. You know, I mean it's and same thing with with Futurama. Mm-hmm. I, I can watch them both equally. I do find myself enjoying Futurama more. I think it's a little bit more wacky. Mm, yeah, uh, because yeah. It, has it lends lot, itself to the wackiness. With, yes, yeah, it has crazy, aliens. crazier characters and stuff yeah. like that. Um, the stupid brains uh, episodes I find to be hilarious, which are you know also the ones with the uh, the Niblonians. Yeah, uh, when they all have their big deep voices mm-hmm. is always funny to me. So. Yeah. I think I just enjoy the characters more. I love The Simpsons, but I think if I had to pick between the two, I'm going to watch Futurama more just because mm. I enjoy the okay. greater variety of character styles and stuff like that. And they can get into crazier situations because literally right. they can fly to some random planet that can suit whatever needs are for the writers. Like they don't, they're right. not having to fit things into a semi-realistic the, world. The, I always think of the, the episode where they had all of the original uh, actors from the original Star Trek. Yeah. Where the one alien abducted all of the heads, yeah, and stuff like that, and you know, th- the fact that they have heads of people who've been dead for a long time is still <laughs> funny. Like they don't question the fact that they have the head of George Washington, 
which yeah. would have died way before they had that technology. But it's still funny. It's yes. all that stuff is still funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is it is a phenomenal show. And if anybody out there has seen some Simpsons, and if you like the humor of the Simpsons, I can also guarantee you will like the humor of Futurama. If, if for some reason no one tried it, it's you got you've got to. It's so good. yeah. Uh, apparently, according to the actual Wikipedia page for the Turunga Lila Symphony um, by Olivier Messian, she Lila was named specifically for the symphony. Okay. Um, which, to me, is a fantastic symphony, um, but Olivier Messian um, it was more of a, we call that, we would call him like a 20th century, he had 20th century harmonies. It's a little bit more, I don't want to say advanced harmonies because that makes it sound elitist, but definitely, <laughs> well, definitely. What that means. Well, it definitely like if you if you listened to it without kind of understanding what is going on musically, it's a little bit harder to listen to. It's not easy on the audience. Uh, like jazz it's, fusion, um, probably worse than jazz. Oh fusion. God! <laughs> but so Messian is a very interesting character, and he's mostly known for a piece that he wrote called Quartet for the End of Time. Uh, he was a French. Uh, citizen. He was a soldier during World War II. He was captured by the Germans and taken to not necessarily a concentration camp, but he was taken to a prison camp. Uh And he wrote the quartet using instruments that he had available to him in the prison camp. So it was like a cello with only three strings, a piano with uh, a few of the uh, uh, keys not working, Uh a clarinet, and a violin, I think, are the four instruments. And so he created this and it's really the story of the quartet that is mm-hmm. the thing that keeps it going. I also like the the quartet, but I've also studied the, the quartet, and I find that if with ed, sort of advanced tonality music, if you haven't studied it, it's a little bit harder to get into. It's not music you can just listen to mm-hmm. without kind of understanding what is supposed to be happening. So it's it's I hate to talk about it like that, but it is kind of the truth. Like some of the stuff that happened in the early to mid 20th century in terms of classical music and in sometimes popular music, especially in like jazz, it's kind of for musicians. It's not really mm-hmm. for a general audience. Okay. But I mean it's very cool and actually the, I think the, I actually think the symphony is easier to listen to than the quartet. Okay. If you just listen to like the first 5 minutes of the symphony, it's going to sound a little weird, but it'll give you kind of a better idea. And maybe, and maybe just the sound of it is what made them think of a one-eyed alien. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one-eyed mutant. So we found out she's not an alien. Yes. At first, she thinks a, she's yeah. an alien, but it turns out she's not. I mean, well, you know what? That is something that this show also does incredibly yeah. well, which is it'll set something up and then it'll bring it back later. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a lot later. Like that, yes. Like we'll find out. Yeah, that Lena, she thinks she's some alien, but no. she Her parents live underground as a little mutant society or the story of how Fry got into the cryogenically frozen, frozen, you know, thing in the first place. And that Nibbler might've been part of that all along. And you go back and watch the first episode and you see his fucking shadow. What the hell? Um, Just some other, other crazy wacky stuff. I always, it is, it's, it, it makes it 
so rewatchable. Yes. This show. Absolutely. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by the year 2032, the city, Los Angeles, the movie, Demolition Man, the restaurant. Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. Exactamundo. The Demo Deal, buy a burrito supreme, nachos, and a large drink for one low price, and get an official Demolition Man movie poster absolutely free. I'm impressed. The supply's limited. The conclusion, get to Taco Bell today. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we're going to recast Demolition Man using actors of today. Uh, we got a good list of characters to do. We're going to do John Spartan, Simon Phoenix, Lenina Huskley, Dr. Raymond Cocteau, Alfred Gar- Alfredo, excuse me, Alfredo Garcia, Chief George Earl, Associate Bob, which we really didn't talk about at all when we discussed the movie at all. Yeah, he, He's just kind of there, but he adds some nice little... Comedic stuff. Comedic stuff. Yeah. Uh, especially like after Cocteau gets killed when he's like, I'd like to continue my uh, association during your administration, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Which yeah. apparently in the novel, uh, in the novel version, uh, Associate Bob is a eunuch. Oh, okay. I mean, that makes it even more <laughs> fascisty, awful society, but Yeah, because apparently Cocteau had it, had it done to him to keep him like in line. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So, uh, and then of course, uh, Edgar Friendly. Okay. So... Uh, we got a, a a lot to cast, so Adam, I'll let you start us off with Mr. Edgar Friendly. Yeah, there were a couple people who I think would do quite well in this role, but ultimately I stuck to the same mentality that they had with Dennis Leary, uh, a comedian who can be a little bit harsh, um, but also this guy is a damn good actor, and we've seen it in The Mandalorian. I went with Bill Burr as my Edgar Friendly. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Absolute complete sense. I'm kind of mad I didn't think of that. Um, but yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Okay. Um, so the last time we did a casting, um, I decided I wanted to kind of do it all British. Mm. And I had so much fun, I decided to do it again. <laughs> all right. British. So I, I went all British. I went a okay. whole British cast on this one. For Edgar Friendly, in his prime, the right choice would have been Billy Connolly. Oh, okay, but that was yes, way back. I could, but, I could see that back in the day, yeah. Yeah, so it, like basically in 93, Billy Connolly yeah. would have been the better choice. He's he's a little too old to be like the leader of a, a, a group of rebels, I, I think, for this one. Um, so I looked around for some, some British comedians, um, and I found this guy who is pretty funny. He's also an actor, so it's not it's not such a stretch to see him in an acting role. And I listened to a little bit of his stand-up, and he's a pretty funny guy. So I think he could work. His name is Guz, G-U-Z, Khan, K-H-A-N. I have no idea about this dude, but yeah. I will, I'll bow down to if you've seen his comedy and you think he's funny. Sure. I like his beard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, look, he looks like a guy who could look like he's a bad guy to start, and then you yes. find out what he's fighting for. And He's yeah. a pretty funny guy, so I, I think it worked. Okay. Uh, all right. Associate Bob, who did you pick for that? So, yeah, I went, uh, my first thought is I'm going to keep like, you know, kind of like the silly, effeminate kind of feel that there was Mm -hmm. with uh, Associate Bob. I kind of thought James Corden, but I think he's kind of, you know, been canceled. But also, I just don't think James Corden's all that funny. I don't really care for him. Uh, 
Nintendo so Dream. what I ended up doing is I wanted to going back and thinking about like, oh, we've we've cast uh, this guy before, recast him as Otho, and I'm going to use the person that you did as Otho way back in our episode 17 uh, when we recast that, and you put Eric Stone Street when you recast this actor, and I'm using okay. Eric Stone Street for okay. my associate. From, uh, from Modern Family? From Modern Family. That's a good choice. That actually works really well. I think he would do a very good job yeah. uh, in that role. I like that. That's a good call. Um, all right, so my first thought immediately was Associate Bob is kind of like uh, Lord Varys from sure. from Game of Thrones, just you know, goofier. And so my yeah. first thought was, what if I just use Conleth Hill? Yeah, he's probably but done I, some comedy. He he probably has, but I did, and ultimately I decided not to. Um, I went with a guy who already kind of looks like an Associate Bob, and as somebody I've used before, he's a little goofier than I think I would. I want him to kind of rein it in for Associate Bob. Uh, but I went with Matt Lucas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen him. Yeah, he does do a lot of goofy stuff. I pre- I have seen some of Little Britain, uh, where he is particularly goofy. I think he would probably do fine. I bet. Yeah. I bet he would do fine for I, this. I mean, at, yeah, he, he's he got seems, the. He has the weird like. <laughs> he, he does have. He the looks weird like look. a eunuch. Is that is that yeah. a thing? <laughs> uh, he, Associate Bob's the only role in this I could see him doing. So yeah. Um, yeah. And he's got the name recognition in Britain. I've, I, I think that fits. In, so. I absolutely think he fits well. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Chief George Earl. A tough character because, I mean, he's he's not comedic in any way. He's a straight character. So yeah, There's not many defining characteristics of this, yeah. of this character. So who did you go with? Uh, I, I did have a tough trouble with this one, but I went with the guy who... I think we can. I've seen him do drama. I've seen him do comedy. Probably more comedy than than not. But he could he could play the straight man. He absolutely can and has played the straight man. And he's older now. He's at least as old, if not older, than Bob Gunton was playing this role. Um, I went with Carrie Elwes as my Chief George Earl. <laughs> okay, I like that. Yeah. I, you don't see Carrie Elwes doing kind of like mean spirited, serious stuff too often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I think that'd be a fun a fun change to see him in something like that. And yeah, you can kind of go probably a lot of different ways with the with the chief if you really need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I like that. Okay. I like that. Um, I actually cast it pretty easily. Now it helps that I have been watching um, a, his sort of documentary series uh, that was on Stars. Thanks to a shout out to Alex Renicamp for making me sign up for Stars so that we could watch. Hearts mm-hmm. and Souls, and of course, uh, because of that, I mentioned last time that my wife uh, has been watching, has been able to catch up on Outlander, which yeah. is one of our favorite shows, and two of the actors from Outlander, um, Sam Hugan, the star being one of them, and the other one being this guy, had this sort of like travel almost uh, documentary that they did. The first season was just around Scotland, and the second one was around New Zealand, where this actor now lives. I, he's got kind of a serious look, which I think the chief needs to have. Um, but he himself seems like a pretty low, uh, pretty like funny guy. So I think could could pull off the seriousness. Uh, his name is Graham McTavish. Oh I, yeah, I've definitely seen that guy. Oh, that's where I, I've seen him in uh, yeah Game of Thrones is what I'm thinking of. Uh, or no, no, no. Or was it The Hobbit? Was he in Game of Thrones? He was uh, in The Hobbit. Maybe that's what I, I was, recently. Maybe that's that must have been where it is because um, I I watched on my flight. Yeah, no, he's in House of Dragon. That's where he is. That's where yeah, I yeah. recognize him mostly from. But I have seen 
the rest. I finally watched the two uh, other Hobbit movies. Oh yeah, he's Dwaylin. Okay, he's one of the one of the Hobbit or one of the dwarfs. Yeah. Um, on my flight back from Dublin, uh, I I watched the Desolation of Smog and the third, the Battle of the Five Armies, uh-huh. because I was like, well, you know what? It's a long flight. You know, let let me do this. And I hated an unexpected journey like the Hobbit, the first one. I actually did not think it was very good at all. But I actually thought the second and the third movies were pretty damn good. You know, maybe I need to watch them on a bigger screen, but I thought they were they were pretty decent. We really didn't like them. Now we were it's also because we were really big fans of the book. Yeah. And they went a lot of weird ways with Oh, yeah. with that that wasn't in the book. And from from all intents and purposes, from what I understand, there was a lot a lot of studio interference with those oh, yeah. films. Like cuz originally it was only supposed to be two. Because the the book The Hobbit itself, uh, like it when does, they said it was going to do a three, yeah, they were like, why three movies? I'm like, why? That's yeah. you know, really you you know, it, two makes sense because there's a lot that happens in in The Hobbit. So if you're trying to not cut out too many things, I can mm-hmm. see how you need to stretch it to two movies. But d- stretching it to three was just clearly a cash grab on the studio's part, and they had to they had to fill it with a lot of complete nonsense that they didn't did. need to be um, in there. It, did they have to have was it Keeley or Feely who's like the hot dwarf and his in his relationship storyline with an elf? No. Like that was awful. And yeah. there was other stuff. Yeah, that was just completely stupid. Um, yeah, and I'm uh, yes, there was some stuff that was bad. But I whatever it was, I was like, ah, I guess I was into it. Maybe it was because I was trapped sure. on a plane and I had nothing else to do. Sure. So, but uh, okay, cool. No, I I I've seen what I've seen. I've liked him. So. Okay. Uh, all right. So Alfredo Garcia, who did you pick? Yeah, I uh, I needed to look for a younger, kind of like, you know, late 20s, early 30s kind of mm-hmm. um, Hispanic actor. And that's sure. what I wanted to stick with. Um, so I was looking around in that age range and I found this guy who has been on uh, 13 Reasons Why. He's been on a few other things. And I think he's got a good, like, innocent look to him. Uh, that's what I wanted with my, on my Alfredo Garcia. You need someone who can sure. look fairly innocent. This guy is named Christian Navarro. Uh, no, I think you, I mean, you picked out the same things that I was looking for, like uh, Hispanic and younger, innocent looking. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I would have gone for. I, I haven't seen 13 Reasons Why. I haven't seen anything else. Um, that he's been in, I don't think. Sure. Solid logic. This is the same logic I okay. use. So okay. <laughs> I mean, right. I, so I also went with a guy who you've probably never heard of. Now, the one thing is, that I actually don't know if my guy speaks English. So, oh. so, um, because I'm thinking, okay, this is this is England. So my Hispanic actor needs to come from Spain. Spain. Yeah. Because it's gonna be right there. So I looked for Spanish specifically actors. Uh, this is a young guy. Uh, well, he was born in '91, so he's in his like early 30s, I think, right now. And he's a Spanish actor. He's kind of got that young look to him. And his name is Javier Calvo, C-A-L-V-O. Yeah, yeah. He has the same kind of vibes I could see as uh, as the one that I was looking for. Yeah, younger. Yeah, I do see a lot of Spanish uh, like titles for his stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I can't say I've seen obviously anything that he's been in, but I do think he's got the look that that I also was looking for. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, Doctor Raymond Cocteau. Who did you pick? Yeah, Cocteau. Um, who seems like the good guy? You know, seems like he's bringing on all of this uh, wonderful society 
to ultimately find out that no, he is an authoritarian um, bastard who doesn't care about personal freedoms and he pushes his own will and what he thinks uh, a society should be. And I had some good good ideas. I actually, you know, hey, for your British one, I want to throw out Charles Dance as someone who I considered. Mm-hmm. I thought he would be a good job. But I went to a guy who I've thrown together as a wonderful villain in a hundred things, but I damn sure think he could do a great job here. Uh, he's got a chill vibe to him. I could totally see him as like, you know, this quieter leader, but he has, has like this malevolence behind him. I went with Giancarlo Esposito as my Raymond Cocteau. I mean, you can't go wrong. You yep. can't go wrong with him in a villain role. He's yep. he's gonna he's gonna nail it every time. Yep. Um. So I I went with a very well known actor for my Raymond Cocteau. I actually had a, this was the last thing I cast. I think I had a hard time with this one. And he's an it's an older character, so it allows you to kind of I think a wider range of ages. Mm-hmm. I yes. think I think pretty much anything from like. 55 and up or even 60 and up yeah. is reasonable. Absolutely. And so I went with a guy who most, well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say most people don't think of him as a villain, but he's played some really good villains. In fact, one of my, one of, I think, our favorite villains, at least our least favorite iteration of this villain, I went with Ian McKellen. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even his villain role as Magneto is not all that villainous. No. But... Ian McKellen is a phenomenal actor, and I, I absolutely, I'd like to see that. And I know he's, I know he's getting older in age, but Cocteau, you know, he's, he's the, he's, he's the admin guy. You don't have to have Mm -hmm. him do too much. So yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, All right, Lenina Huxley, who did you pick? Yeah, I, I was having some trouble, you know, because get that innocent vibe, and I wasn't sure. You know, who I thought had that same kind of thing, but also needs star power. Now, granted, Sandra Bullock was not a star yet. This was even before Speed. This came out. I think it came out the same year, and I think it came out, or maybe it was the year before Speed um, that this movie came out. But I do want to have some star power, and and I think this actress is is pretty darn big right now. Uh, I went with Anna de Armas as my Lenina Huxley. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a classic call. She's yeah. really big right now, so yeah. I totally see that. Uh, so the actress I went with, I actually went with someone who I've never cast before, but she has been doing quite a few things. I did really like her role in Free Guy. Uh, she I still was also, need to see that. It's 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 stupid fun. That's what that's what it's, yeah. It's over the top. It's over the top stupid but fun. Um, so you know, go it go into it just expecting to just kind of like laugh and at some of the ridiculousness and stuff like that. You know, don't, don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And she was also I, she was on Killing Eve. I don't know if she was the star of Killing Eve, but she's about the right age. I think she's either late twenties or early thirties right now to play that twenty nine year old Lenina Huxley. Uh, I went with Jodie Comer. Yeah, I uh, I haven't seen much of her stuff, but I do think she's got. A similar vibe, maybe that I, that I think totally could could work out. Yeah, I, I'm all cool for this. I need, yeah, I need to see Free Guy. Definitely need to see that one. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's it's stupid fun, but it's still fun. Okay. There's also there's also a lot of fun cameos in it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Simon Phoenix. I'm really interested to see where you went with this one. I really like my Simon Phoenix casting, but I don't know if I could actually do it right now. 
So Simon Phoenix, he has to be physically imposing to an extent. This guy has been able to get ripped in movies before. I've seen him looking good, and he's even done some like fighting stuff in movies before. He's kind of canceled right now because he's about to go on trial currently to where we are now um, for, I think, it's domestic abuse. Ooh. So I don't know if it's the right the right call. But I think he, one, has the acting chops to play a crazy psychopath killer like Simon Phoenix. And I've seen him in, I think it was Creed 3. He looked jacked and he looked and he played a damn good villain in that one. I went with Jonathan Majors. I just think he is the right call for it. Yeah, I'm trying. I can't remember. I, I've heard like multiple things about all that stuff that happened with him, whether like it mm-hmm. was, he was falsely accused or something like that. I, I haven't looked it up lately. As yeah. to what's going on, but as an actor, I think that is the right call. Yeah, I think he showed us in Loki that he can play a little unhinged, and I think he mm-hmm. can go even farther for this one. I think he's as an actor, I think he's a fantastic actor. So I think that's a, a good cool. call. Okay, I went with another actor who I've not used before, but I can't argue with this guy's credentials. Um, just lo- just kind of looking at his uh, his kind of IMDb you know, tape, as it were, uh, the dude has got some martial arts skills. And in the end, the guy's got to have some martial arts skills because Mm -hmm. Simon Phoenix should be the better fighter than John Spartan. Yes. Especially after the, all of the, you know, rehabilitation as it were. Um, so this guy has been working, I think as a stunt guy and as a kind of a bad guy actor and a lot of stuff, a few leading roles, um, but he is British. Um, he was in John Wick Four, and just everything I'm looking at, he's playing like these bad guys. But the dude has got some moves, um, and he looks like he could he could play a bad guy pretty easily. Uh, his name is Scott Adkins. Oh yeah, he's been doing a lot of these kind of other action movie stuff. I know he's he's becoming bigger and bigger name in the action world, mm-hmm. uh, and I know he's he's done. He can do that. So I think he was actually. I thought he was like he. He's done. I thought he did like the. He's like a body double on on with Deadpool or something like that as well at one time. I don't know if that's oh, true okay. or not. But I I feel like I think that was a thing. I don't know if that's true. But either way, I know I've heard and seen that this guy can kick some ass. So that's a very good call. I mean, he's been he's been acting since late nineties. So, yeah. um, but he still looks ripped and. He's still got some moves, so. Yeah, okay. I am pretty sure... I am pretty sure that they used uh, Scott Adkins when, for, as the body double from the martial arts stuff in Deadpool. or for, No, not, not in the movie Deadpool. As the shitty Deadpool in X-Men Origins. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when, it, when he was... It wasn't Ryan Reynolds doing those moves, like when they fought on top of like the nuclear power plant or whatever the right. fuck it was. It was Scott Adkins. Okay, that. I th- I think that was him. Okay, we're we're not gonna hold that against him. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. All right. Oh, uh, but yeah, good. That's a good call. That's a good. I've seen him more and more around, so okay. I, I I'd like to see him. Yeah, throw things into a Simon Phoenix. Then, ooh, okay. then I wonder if you're picking your John Spartan is the person who I really wanted as my John Spartan, but I didn't. Oh uh, well, we'll find out. Uh, okay. Who was your John Spartan? So, um, yeah, I, I wanted somebody. I kind of went with the the. An actor who uh, 
it's tough. I, I'm not sure I love my call, but I know he would do good, and I when I want to see it. So yeah, Sylvester Stallone was already like fifty something when he did this role. Was he? Uh, but it, I think so. I think so. Maybe not. Maybe he was only forty something. I don't know. You know what? No, he was probably only forty something. But it doesn't matter. Um, my guy is forty six. I think he is right now. And I, I mean, he's got the gristledness. And if you wanted to make this a little bit less comedic and a little bit more like intense, um, the more badass, this guy could totally do it. And we've seen it because he played Punisher. I went with John Bernthal. I mean, okay. I like. I don't love it because I've used him, and and I feel like plenty. And I feel like I even and, and as much as I like him, I feel like I need a bigger name for my Spartan. If that sounds like I'm not trying to be like a dick. No, I, I'm, I understand. I understand that. Um, yeah. Although I, I don't. I, I will say I think Punisher really put him on the map. Sure, sure, sure. For sure. a lot of people. So, but I, I mean, I, I, I like him. I've, I've real no qualms about him. Are there bigger names? Sure, but um, I bet he, I bet he could do a little bit of the goofy comedic side of the movie yeah yeah he could he could joke about chopsticking poop out of his butthole <laughs> with the with the clamshells <laughs> whatever it is uh, um all right so i'm interested to see who you were originally going to go with so my original pick oh wait my guy's not british so no okay no it's definitely not it my original pick was jason statham and i think that makes sense you know, ten years ago, <laughs> that, and then I decided he was a little too older. Also, like I, don't, I never see him do anything like, like on the funny side. It's always like serious. Yeah. So I decided not to go with him, and I went with another uh, English actor who has done serious stuff, but also has shown his comedic side as far as his ability to to play with the the you know the comedic parts around him. And it, he had to be British. He's still a big name. I went with Idris Elba. I, that, yeah, once you started kind of going British, I, I I thought that might be who you're going with, and that's a very good call. He's also old enough to have a um, gristled quality about yeah. him. You've seen him do enough comedy stuff in the MCU and things like that. So I I I, I am curious. He is 51 right now, but yeah. he doesn't. He can totally look. He it. doesn't I look. Think See, Jason Statham might be around the same. Jason Statham age, fifty six. He's five years older. Sure, but I think Idris Elba um, has has a better presence. I think that's a that's a really good call. Yeah, I, I, I after after consideration, I just liked the idea of Idris or Elba better as John yeah. Spartan than Statham. If, sure. if we're doing Statham, then we have to go like very serious. Yeah, with the yeah, whole sure. thing, and I just i I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep the I wanted to keep some of the camp. Which I yeah. think is necessary okay. for it. So, sure, sure, I uh, understand. Ultimately, I think some good picks. Uh, yes, I'd be happy to watch any of those. I mean, I do think, and this is a movie that no, I don't want it to be remade. Kind of like that new RoboCop and the new Total Re- Recall. Like they're not good, right? But could they? Is there potential for a movie like this? Yeah, I think we could. I mean, yeah. and we could probably dream up of some even more fun, crazy, um, futuristic tech, even right. And make, and make it look way better with yeah. some of our CGI and Especially stuff. Especially now, yeah. Yeah. So good times. All right. Well, that was our recasting of Demolition Man. Please join us next time for another album review. John and I are joined by friend and patron Brian McClure as we talk the Nine Inch Nails album, Pretty Hate Machine. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.